0: Um, So again, we are so grateful to have you with us. Um, We're entering into um, the Super Bowl of Christian faith right now, Uh, (laughs) Easter weekend. Um, We're starting a new series here, a three-part series entitled Hosanna. And so if you um, have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn to the book of John, the 12th chapter, or your app. Uh, You can open that up on your phone, your tablet, the book of John, the 12th chapter. And as you're flipping through or scrolling through to get there, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, it's by your grace and by your mercy, uh, you've allowed us to see another day. It's through your love and through your mercy, Father, that you desire uh, greater and deeper things from us, Lord God, and you give us those opportunities. Uh, Father, open up our hearts and our ears to receive your word and your truth. Open up our minds and our spirits to hear you and to know you and to be in relationship with you, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray and give you thanks. Amen. If you have your Bibles or apps, I'm going to ask that you stand with us. Even if you don't, we'll still have the scriptures on the screen for you as well. So please stand as we get ready to read through those scriptures. Starting from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15.
1: On the next day, when the great crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel. Jesus found an ass and sat upon it, as is written, Fear no more, O daughter Zion. See, your king comes, seated upon an ass's colt.
0: Amen. You guys may be seated. We're talking about Hosanna for the next couple of weeks. Um, we have in our, in our Christian faith these, these, these moments, these really big, special um, occasions where us as Christians come together and celebrate. Um, they're generally three of the most heavily attended um, services in the year for Christianity um, in the Christian faith. They're the three most heaviest, biggest, most uh, powerful um, services that we have. And the first one, as you guys know, is Christmas, right? Christmas service, Christmas Eve, that time of pre- uh, year we have one. Our, our next one is Easter, of course, which is coming up next week. And then the other one is, you guys know what the last one is? Mother's Day. Very good. Those are the three top times that people come and attend um, service, whether they're trying to um, pay honor to the Lord or whether they're just trying to um, pay honor to their mom and get them off of their back. Those are the three heaviest <laughs> times of the year in church where they are the most attended. Um, we get into and we start looking at uh, the Christian faith, and it was kind of rolling into Easter, um, the most heavily attended time, one of the most um, special moments as believers, are celebrating what Christ did, raising uh, from the grave, uh, we kind of have and understand that in the Christian faith, there are only a few tangible and visual uh, things that we can see where we recognize and remember Christ. Um, One of those things would be the cross, we see the cross in our in our logos and in our churches and in our, our attire, our outfits. Uh, we buy those things as a cross. Another thing that we see, that's visible and tangible, is communion. This on either side, we do this in remembrance of Christ. Um, we take part of that in sharing what He did in the sacrifice. Another tangible thing that we see or can uh, purchase or buy or look at is a nativity scene. Right, right around Christmas time, we have the nativity that comes out that shows us uh, Jesus, baby born in the manger. Uh, another one of those that I want to emphasize. It's something that we call Palm Sunday, which happens to be this Sunday. As you guys went around, you guys hopefully all got a... Palm passed out at you at the front door. If you didn't, you can get one on your way out as well. On Palm Sunday, we get these palms. These palms are tangible things that bring us remembrance back to Christ, but a lot of times we don't fully get the significance of what Palm Sunday is and why we celebrate Palm Sunday and what it means to us as a body of believers. I want to share with you about five things that this Palm Sunday uh, shouts out to us, that it screams out to us, but first I need you to understand the significance of the palms. Are you guys ready? Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, come on, guys. Work with me a little bit. This palm symbolizes a uh, goodness. It symbolizes um, well-being. It symbolizes victory. This palm symbolizes um, something to celebrate. Back in biblical times, they would oftentimes take a picture of a palm or a palm tree and put it on the coins on the back of there to show uh, wealth or show victory or show some semblance of, of goodwill. Um, in the Bible, the palm tree would actually be planted upon um, the wall of the temple, that you could go into the temple and you would see this palm embedded across the wall and around the, the bricks. Um, we see in Scripture, as we're going to ready read, that we see that palms are laid down uh, for Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. We'll also see in the book of Revelations, the second coming of Christ, that they have palms in their hand waving and celebrating that Christ is coming and returning. You guys with me so far? There is a significance in this palm, and the palm symbolizes victory. It symbolizes uh, good uh, well-being. It symbolizes um, these amazing things that God has in place. And so oftentimes when we carry these palms, we just do it for a Sunday. We do it for a moment. It's kind of this thing, but I want to go over what Palm Sunday symbolizes for us as the believer. We're going to look at the first point right here. Palm Sunday shouts of of what? You guys see it up there? Shouts of save us. Palm Sunday
1: shouts of save us. Watch this in John 12, verse 13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They cry out and they say, Hosanna.
0: They scream out to the Lord, Hosanna. Jesus is coming down on a donkey. He's riding into Jerusalem. And so they see him and they lay down these palms. They grab these palms, and they lay it down to him, and they scream out, Hosanna. They're saying, blessed is he, blessed is the king, blessed is this person. Praise God that our Savior has come. What they're saying is, praise God and save us. Praise God and save us. They recognize that this person, this man is coming down and that he is the Savior of the world and really the Savior for them. The Savior out of their problems and their troubles and they're screaming, bless you, they're screaming blessings to you, and they're screaming at the same time, save us. These people are in a really bad situation. The time and the culture is dictating that they're in all kinds of world of trouble. They have people that are running their country, people that are oppressing them, people that are taking their money, people that are talking down to them negatively. They have a whole group of people in their land that is oppressing them. And so now they recognize that the Savior is coming. They're recognizing that the King is coming, and they're celebrating. Praise God, at the same time, save us. Do y'all catch that? They're saying, praise God... We're saved. Praise God. We're so glad you're here to save us. There is this excitement that they have that they understand that the person that's coming in is getting ready to save them from all of what they believe is their troubles and their hurts and their pains. And they're screaming with all they have, save us, while they're laying down something that says, We recognize that we are now winners. Victory has come our way. We're laying down in front of you to let you know we believe in you, we trust in you, the Savior is coming. Hosanna. Praise God we are saved. I believe that what this shouts to us, these palms shout to us, what they represent to us, that Palm Sunday shouts to us, is that we have to believe that God is God and He's amazing and powerful. And at the same time that He's amazing and powerful, He's also able to save us out of every problem, every circumstance, and every situation. It screams to us and lets us know as believers we can trust in the Lord because he's awesome and amazing and powerful, and at the same time he's able to save us. A lot of us only scream praise the Lord when we get that extra check in the mail. A lot of us only scream praise God when the sun is shining on our great days. A lot of us only scream praise God when the blessings are falling down. A lot of us only scream praise God when we're living a good moment or living our best life. A lot of us only scream praise God when the doctor's report comes back great. But these people were were screaming praise God in a tough situation. Did y'all catch that? Right over some folks' heads. They are physically oppressed. Their land has been taken over. They no longer can fully relate to who they are because somebody's telling them how to live. They are almost in some kind of governmental slavery. They are struggling. They are hurt. They are frustrated. They are mad. They are angry. And while they're screaming out, God, save us, they're also saying what? Praise God. Can you and I begin to start to recognize that the God of the universe is beyond the praise just when it's good? Can we recognize that He is the God of the universe? That even when it is horrible and when times are bad and when we don't like our spouse and when we don't like our kids, we don't like our marriage, we don't like stuff and we don't, we're not happy, can we still say, Praise God of the universe? And also, while we're praising you and while we love you, save us. I'm going to praise you in the good and I'm going to praise you in the bad. Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, praise God. He is saying to the people everywhere, these people are laying down their most precious and valuable things they have. They're laying down this symbolic victory that they have, that they have not what? Won yet. Y'all miss it again. It's okay. When you have these palms, they represent victory. And in their oppressed state of frustration, they're already saying we have victory, even though we're trapped in a state of situation that we're not happy about. (sighs) Shh. They're saying victory, and we've won, even when they don't feel like it. They're screaming victory, and we won, even when it doesn't look like it yet. Because their perspective is not focused on their circumstances, but on the Savior that is going to and has the ability and will give them freedom. The God of the universe, they're willing to celebrate him, because they know he's getting ready to do something even if he hasn't done it yet in their eyes. He recognizes, they recognize that he is the God of the universe regardless if he's already moved every circumstance and out of the way, every situation out of the way. They already recognize he's the God of the universe. And so I'm willing to say we've already won because we're going to win. Man, I remember coaching a football game one day. It was a rough score, it was 21 to nothing at halftime, halftime. We couldn't run the ball, couldn't pass the ball. And one of my assistant coaches said, you know what the score is, boys? Somebody said, 21 to nothing. The coach said, nope, it's zero to zero. And everybody laughed, they chuckled. Zero, no, it's 21 to nothing. And he said, if they can score 21 points and a half, we can score 21 points and a half. And he gives this speech of how it's all about nothing, it's all one for all, and blah, 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 blah. And they come out, and we end up winning the game. Even though they were already down, they came in with a mentality that we're gonna win. Even though everything looked against them, they came out with a mentality they were gonna win. I don't know if you guys are a Patriots fan, but man, that Atlanta Falcons game against the New England Patriots, I still got a few people shaking their He had a memory for us. He just, ah, kicked in for a second. I was at a Super Bowl party. I'm the only guy. Come on, Super Tom. You can do it, Tom Brady. You're my guy. I'm a Denver Bronco fan, but I respect, I, amen, I respect greatness. And I said, let's go. Come on, Tom. Let's do it. Tom, you can do it. And that score was 28 to three, I think, in the third quarter. I'm all the way in Centerville. I'm having having dinner, a Super Bowl party with some friends. Uh, Chris Ditch was over there, and some other folks. And I said, we got a long ride home. Pack up, everybody. We were in Laurel. It was a 50-minute ride home. Let's go. Everybody, pack up. Let's go home. Got home, and they won. Missed one of the greatest comebacks in Super Bowl history. I was cheering for Tom. They were making fun of me. They were ah Atlanta Falcons. They were doing their Falcon Dance, all this stupid stuff. I got in the car, mad and dejected. And I said, oh, okay. It was a good dip. It was a great dip. Drove home. I knew it was 28 to 3 when I got in the house. They won. Our perspective may say the circumstances are one way, but don't you judge your circumstances just by that moment in life. And God says to these people that are coming, coming and watching and laying down their palms, they're saying, even though we don't like our circumstances, even though we don't like our situation, we're going to lay down victory after victory. We're going to declare the victory. We're going to believe it, that God is going to allow us to win even when we don't feel like it. And they say, praise God. And while we're praising God, save us. Can you and I start to adapt this mentality? It says Palm Sunday doesn't just shout, uh, save us. It shouts out, sovereign king. Watch this in verse 13.
1: Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They acknowledge that this man who's riding on a donkey
0: belongs to God. They believe he belongs to God, and not only does he belong to God, but he is also the king, the king of Israel of here in this atmosphere and the king of these circumstances and situations. And so they recognize that he is the God of all things. And regardless of life, circumstances, or situations, they can say that he is the sovereign God. He is the supreme ruler. Good, bad, he is what? Supreme. We oftentimes acknowledge God as our supreme ruler when we are in the supreme moments. But can we acknowledge God as our supreme God in our worst moments? Can we acknowledge God as our supreme God, a God that we can stick with and call our champion in our best moments and our worst moments? Sounds like point one. Because if we can't acknowledge him as the supreme ruler over the bad times, then we'll have no trust in him. He'll only be a God that's as good as our good moments. He'll only be a good, good father as long as we're in the middle of good times. But to understand that he is supreme even over the good and the bad means that I can trust him and follow him through the tough times and through the good times and through the bad times and through the indifferent times. He is the sovereign God. He is the supreme God. He is the God of all things. I was telling, uh, I was telling Marty well, yesterday, we had a meeting. It's just for me. You guys just hang in there for a second, all right? It's just my story. This has been one of, the, one of the roughest financial years of my life. I had to stop and think about it. I paused for a second. I had to replay. It is one of the roughest financial years of my life. I've been downsized financially, Got a, got rid of that gig altogether. I said, you know, God, this is not where you want me to be. We'll just let go of it. We're not going to deal with half. We're not going to deal with anything. We're just going to trust you to be the God of the universe. And then God provides and says, now we're going to provide you with a new, a new opportunity of finance and revenue. And then Rosie lost her job. And then for three months and a half, no job. And then she got a new job. And for... Six and a half weeks, we're doing fine. We've stretched bills out. We've made things happen. We're making things move and stuff is still, uh, we're going to be okay. And finally, she got half a check because, you know, she came in halfway during the pay period. And that was great. They at least gave her something. And then they gave her a full check. And we so said, we're going to move things around in March. There's three checks coming up and we'll, we'll move those. bills. Y'all never move bills around. Okay, it's just me. All right. And so you move bills around. And so we got three pay periods and we'll be great and awesome. And she came in to work on Monday and they said, hey, glad you've loved your job for the last six weeks. We got to let you go. <laughs> ah, you know that feeling like, come on, are you serious? And now we're trying to figure, we got to move money around again. And this has been one of the most frustrating straightened years. Um, I've had eight months of I don't know when, this, when everything is going to come together. Y'all been there before? Just when's it all going to be tangible? I'm tired of moving zeros around. <laughs> Can we go to the movies? We're going to go to the movies, but everybody's going to eat at home today. I want popcorn. No. You glad we got to go to the movies? Be happy. You ain't get no popcorn. You better eat some sandwiches. I want soda. No. We're going to get this powdered drink and mix it in the water. It's Crystal Light. Tastes just as good. Drink up. I ain't want orange soda. We got some orange Crystal Light. and Pour that in. Yeah. Magic. i don't tell you. And in the same time, I got to wake up every Sunday and say, I'm going to preach the gospel with all the joy in my life and all, all I want people to experience the God of the universe. And you can sit there and say to yourself, if you let you, when's the God of the universe going to open up the windows of heaven for me? Is that fair? Is that a fair thing to say? I don't know when he's going to open up the windows, but he's still God. And I'm going to preach about him. I'm going to praise about him. I'm going to sing about him. I'm going to take calls. I'm going to do counseling. I'm going to go as far as I can because the God of the universe is the God of the universe. When it's high times and when it's thin times, when it's great and when it's small, he's still sovereign. I'm going to follow him in the good and the bad because I trust him. Because he's my God and he's my king. And I'm not going to abandon the ship because things look tight and the king doesn't look like he's delivering what he's delivering. And praise God for a wife that can stick with me and follow a king that don't know where it's coming from sometimes. (laughs) But God brings us together. And if you can trust and recognize that he's the sovereign king, even before the greatest happened, you will be in a consistent love relationship with him. And so when we have these Palm Sundays and these palms of victory, sometimes we're not always winning yet, but we will win. We may not be victorious right now, but we will win. I had a son and a daughter, 14 and 13. Man, man, the fight is real. It's a civil rivalry. It's something. Somebody's got to be better. Somebody's got to come out winning at the end of the day. Uh, Kids just act like, you know what I'm talking about. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody's got to win. I had to give my son one of the greatest lessons I ever could give him. I went to the computer, and I printed out the Civil War. I the Civil War, and I took my highlighter, and I showed him that there were over 10,000 battles in the Civil War. Y'all with me? You don't have to win every battle to win the war. Y'all with me? And so I explained to him that you don't have to win every battle to win the war. Take this paper, stick it in your pocket, and every time you feel like you got to win every fight, remember this paper. Because just because they lost a couple battles, didn't mean that they lost the war? If you put all your effort in one battle, you will lose the war. Sometimes you got to learn to say, I quit. I'm going to relocate. I'm going to move some stuff around. Why? Because my goal is bigger than just this battle. And if marriages could get that, if people with finances could get that, I got to be successful. I got to have all the money in the world. I got to look really important. I got to have, no, no, you don't. It's okay, you couldn't pay for it. Return it. Woo! Sighted day. Return it. It's okay. I know you want to do it. I know you want to live up there with the Joneses and the Smiths. Go ahead, take it back. Because he says, listen, the sovereign God, this God of the universe, understands that not every battle is worth it. It's about the long-term picture of victory. And sometimes I don't look like I'm winning, and you're not meant to win every battle. But if you focus on winning the war, if you focus on serving a God of the universe that can help us come over all situations and circumstances, we'll be just fine. Not only does Palm Sunday shout of him being the sovereign king, but Palm Sunday shouts to us of God's saving promises.
1: Watch 14 through 15. Jesus found an ass and sat upon it, as is written, Fear no more, O daughter Zion. See, your king comes, seated upon an ass's colt.
0: So what happens is that God says in this passage of Scripture, when people are going to read, he says, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that the God of the universe needs you to fully get, that you can praise him in your victories, you can praise him and understand he's a sovereign king, you can shout, God, save us at the same time. But I need you to understand that just because you don't see it right now, he's promised us something. And he refers back to this passage of Scripture in Zechariah. He tells the people that are reading the Scriptures, just because you're claiming all this victory and you're excited about what God's going to do and you don't see it yet, I need you to understand that also He promises something. So you can sit there and pump yourself up all day long. You know what I'm talking about. Today's going to be a great day. Today's going to be a better day. I can't wait for the day. You can talk all that stuff that you want to talk. But He says beyond you pumping yourself up and getting yourself psyched up for these promises, getting yourself psyched up for these victories, I want you to also understand that there's actual truth there's actual promise. There's something you can refer back to when you feel like, I don't feel very victorious today. I don't feel very excited today. I don't feel like I'm going to win today. I don't feel like we're going to, I can't do another week. of When's it going to happen? Because when you start feeling all these things, I want you to reflect back on God's promises. Are you all with me today? And so he says, you can be excited about him saving you. You can cry out that he's going to save you. You can trust that he's sovereign. But sometimes we just tell, we don't feel like pushing ourselves there anymore. And so I want you to reflect back on God's promises. And his promises are way back in the Old Testament that proved that these things were going to happen in this moment and this time in the New Testament. And so he says in Zechariah, I want you to understand these shouts of promises, uh, these shouts of God's saving promises. And I want you to understand these three things. You're going to find that in Zechariah 9 9 through 10.
1: Exalt greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. A just savior is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. He shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow will be banished, and he will proclaim peace to the nations.
0: He says two things. The first thing he says, go back one. He says this first thing. He says that there is a God that is righteous and humble ruler. He says this righteous and humble ruler that we're talking about is the God that understands that he does not press or push you to have relationship with you. He is humble. He is meek. He doesn't rule over you. He doesn't push you. He doesn't yell at you. He doesn't command you. He doesn't demand of you. He says, I'm a God that loves you regardless of where you are. And in your worst moments, I'm going to love you. In your moments when you don't trust and when you don't believe, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you to a point where you recognize I should be your king. Not because I command and demand of you, but because I love you so much, how could you not fall in love with my goodness? I'm humble enough to say, I believe that you're going to submit and surrender to me so I don't have to come riding in on a horse with trumpets blowing. I'm going to come riding in as lowly as possible. I'm going to come riding in as humbly as possible because I want you to recognize the relationship I have with you. It is a relationship that does not demand of you, but it's because I have a relationship with you, you will fall in love with me. It's a relationship that says, I love you, and I'm not here to beat you or yell at you or talk about how bad you've done things or how much you've screwed up. I'm a God of the universe that loves you so much, I can come in and say, we can work this thing out together. And he says, I am a humble ruler. I'm a ruler that does not have to yell at you footsteps and orders and marches. How I come in draws you to me. And you can talk about however preacher you heard and whatever message you heard, how much he yelled or she spit or whatever. He It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it was something about the love of God that drew you to him. It's something about the love of God that says, I'm willing to surrender this life of drugs and alcohol and and, and violence and murder and anger and rage and revenge. I'm willing to, to surrender all of this to you, not because you commanded me to, but because you have called me to. And he says, I'm a humble ruler, and he promises to be a humble ruler, so I have no choice but to surrender because of the beauty of how humble he is, how much he loves us. I have no choice but to drop to my knees because you show me so much love. I have no choice but to surrender. And in those moments... The God of the universe becomes so real that His promises say, I don't care about your struggle and your strain. My love is going to work with you and walk with you. He gives us this order because you have to understand that He is a God that shouts these saving promises of being a humble ruler, that you can understand part two, His authority. Read that one more time, part B.
1: He shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow will be banished, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. He says,
0: all the drama that you have in life, all the struggles that you're dealing with, he is the God of the universe that can literally bring everything to a stop. He can break the bows, he can stop the fighting, He can deal with everything and bring the nations to peace. He's that God with authority to do all things amazing and possible because he promises that he can, why can't the God of the universe do that in your very life? Why can't he bring you peace in your mind, peace in your thoughts, peace in your desires? Why can't he stop the conflict of the internal torment and turmoil that we deal with on a day-to-day basis? Why can't he? Why can't he bring peace between you and that baby mother? let's talk real stuff for a second. Why can't the God of the universe bring you peace in all of those issues with supervisors and employees and husbands and wives, all these conflicts? Why can't he bring you that peace? He's the God that brings peace and promises to bring peace over all of the nations, not just one nation, not just one area, not just one continent, but every single one, every name, every language, every tongue, he promises to bring peace. Then why can't I cling to the promises that he'll bring peace in my own life? He shouts, Palm Sunday screams at us, that he promises to be a humble king that loves us back into relationship, and he promises at the same time he will handle every battle and every conflict because his authority is greater than anything else. And finally, he says that Palm Sunday shouts of God's saving promises of dominion.
1: His dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth.
0: He says there's not a place in this world that his power and his authority and his strength does not exist. He says you can't go anywhere that you won't find his rule over every aspect of the world. Are you with me? He says from the sea to the river to the earth to the other side of the earth, every aspect of it, He is promising that He has dominion, He has control, He has authority, He has power over it. It belongs to Him. And so, Palm Sunday reminds us simply that His authority is over every single thing, and if it's over every aspect of the earth, He definitely has authority over every aspect of your pain. In every aspect of your trouble, every aspect of your stress, every aspect of everything that you deal with personally, that I deal with personally. That's why I can walk around and say, well, when all these budgets come together, they'll come together. Because I know God's authority and his dominion doesn't just stop over the Smiths who are next door and the Jones who are over there and the ways are just screwed. It work. No, it doesn't work that way. He's the God of the universe that has dominion over everything and everybody. And so eventually it will all come together may get tight. It may be frustrating. I may not smile every day. (laughs) May not even be a real smile every day. But I know that this God has the ability, and He is, and He will, because His Word promised it. And He promised it way back in Zechariah that these things were going to happen, and He was going to do it. This kind of leader was going to be this kind of leader that comes riding in on a donkey, and then here comes Jesus 400 years later, doing exactly what he promised that would happen 400 years earlier. And so if he can declare that truth in that moment 400 years after it was written or said, then why can't he do all those things that he said way back then to continue to carry out until this present time? And why can't they happen in your life? So as I conclude, I get really, 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 really sad when God is good enough for seven tenths of our life. I'll say it again. It pains me to think that God is only good in seven tenths of our life, that there are three doors that are shut. One of them, we feel like outside relationships have shut that door and locked it. There are two of them we don't feel like it's going to work anymore, so we shut it ourselves. And we feel being seven-tenths of completely in God's victory is good enough. And it's not. And it's not. I don't know who's going to unlock those doors or when they're going to get unlocked, but I have enough trust and hope and belief that he can open those doors whenever he wants to. I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if it's going to be in my generation. I don't know if it's going to be in the next kid's generation. I don't know. But I know that he has enough ability and power to. And so I'm already claiming claiming that he has dominion and power and authority over everything. Whether I recognize it or see it working all at once, he has the ability to do it. And that's the God I trust. That's the God I believe in. That's the God that's real and tangible. So if our faith or our belief is at seven-tenths, that's okay. It's okay. But you and I have the ability to turn that faith up at any time we want. Did you all catch that? You and I have the ability to turn that faith up anytime we want. Because his word says that he has dominion over everything, authority over everything, power over everything. That he has the ability to do anything he wants. So why not believe it? Why not trust it? That thing we've been wrestling over, trying to figure it out, God, we give it to you. I'm going to pray over it and give it to you, God. That job, that marriage, that coworker, that employee, that mom, that dad, that brother, that sister. <laughs> That job, that car, you'll figure it out, God, because you're sovereign and you're over everything. So I'm going to walk out and I'm going to cry victorious and I'm going to wave my palms of victory, even though we don't have the wins or the points on the board yet, we've won. I'm going to wave that palm, and I'm going to tie that thing up. You know, some people, they braid those palms up into crosses and switches. (laughs) Sometimes you got (laughs) to clear some victory on some kids a few times. They, They braid them up, and they do all kinds of stuff with them, and they have those palms, and they hang around, and they go from green to brown to black. I don't know what colors they go after that, but they turn. It's keep them around with them, not because they got it on Sunday, but because it's this remembrance it's this, it's this sign, it's this signal, it's this thing that says that God is real, he's tangible, and if he came in and could save people, he can certainly save my circumstance and situation. Hosanna, God bless you. Hosanna, save us. I'm uttering out of my mouth blessings and praises to the God of the universe, and at the same time, while I'm praising you, work in this situation. You guys never did that before? You know, walked up to your kid and said, "Man, I believe great things are going to happen from you." Look at that report card: D, E, Q. I can get a Q. That was a letter. That was a grade. And even though this report says D, E, Q, P, and Z was well, <laughs> Z, E, P, H, I, L. That's another name. My bad. And so even though this report card says all these things. <laughs> I believe in you to be better than what this report says. Are you guys with me? I believe in you to be better than what this report says. And so this report doesn't say 3.0. I believe you're going to be a 3.0. I know that you're a 3.0. You're going to be a 3.0 person. Even though this report says something totally different. And you know what happens? 3.0 comes. I believe you're going to be an awesome husband. Mike, I believe you're going to be an awesome husband. And one day it happens. And Rosie says, I believe, Brian, you're going to be an awesome listener. Because you listen to everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, man, I listen to people all day long. I just want to be on my phone. Why can't I be on my phone? We sit on the porch. And she talks to me. My phone's over there and I'm listening. She says, Today you were an awesome listener. (laughs) And then two weeks later, she says, You'll never listen to me. And then I say to her, Didn't two weeks ago you said I listened? I was a good listener. You want to take the one out of the 55? Never mind, let's not argue. I'm sorry. I'm a bad listener. I'm not listening to you now. I'm sorry. And she fist pumps and says, Yes, he's listening. The report may not add up to what things look like and feel like, but I believe he can change every circumstance and situation. I'm not a perfect listener all the time, but I, I hit the mark sometimes with the wife. Let's pray. As the band comes up and we get ready for communion, to experience another tangible moment with God his promises, his truth. Father, we want to take these palms, not that they are more sacred or holy than any other thing we have in front of us or that we can touch, but as a remembrance of who you are, how your power works, how you promise and how you have made promise and how you've made provision how uh, you are a God that is beyond the six-tenths, the five-tenths, the four-tenths that we have believed you to be, that you are a God that has a dominion and power and authority over everything. And so, Father, let it become our prayer. Let it become our first move of communion and reconciliation with you that we now say we trust and believe that you are the ultimate God of the universe that can fix everything. And even though we don't see how, your word says that you have the ability, and that's good enough for us. Let this be the first step in our communion. For the next few days, let your Holy Spirit convict us, push us to trust the loving God of the universe. It's your Palm Sunday, that what you did coming into Jerusalem declares your truth, declares your power, declares your dominion.